I always say Canada is the mecca of mixed martial arts. It's unbelievable how fast it's taken off here, how big it is here, and how much talent comes out of Canada. This is the EVO Grapplers Planet Podcast, a podcast about Brazilian jiu-jitsu, mixed martial arts, and life in general in the greater Toronto area. Hosted by yours truly, Ronnie C., Professor Toma D., and Grapplers Planet's own Greg King. Let's get to it. My favorite part of the podcast. <laughs> I have to, man. I'm sorry. Listen, the reason I did that again, audio, but we always start this off uh, kind of funny, and we're going to keep it that way today, even though I think it might get a little heavy. But uh, did you watch The Bachelor last night? I did. <laughs> Would I ever miss it? Dude, I am. Uh, I'll give you a prediction right now next week. Corinne, <laughs> I'm going to give you the. She's the best. I'm going to give you the MMA insider dish All right. on this. All right. Corinne and. Um, uh, what's her name? The uh, the the mixed girl, the brown looking girl. She looks Indian, but she's not. Yeah, I don't. I can't remember her name. Oh, dude, they're feuding. They've been feuding. They've been feuding, right? Those yeah. two today, and then I'm gonna predict next week, two on one date, both going home. My wife already said that. Get out of here. No, not both going home, but she said two on one. I don't see it, man. I, I don't either, man. I don't see it. Now that girl's name is gonna bother the shit out of me. That's this entire time. Alex. No, Alex. it's some. It's something like that, like a uh, Kathy or. Uh, oh, Taylor. Taylor, wow, that's her name. I would have never got that. Dude, you were thinking it. Taylor Swift? And no, I wasn't. Taylor, I, I don't see it happening between them, man. And I was sitting there watching my wife, and I was just laughing. And when they had the preview go on, it's crazy. You know what's crazier, too, is he's got some pretty good girls there. The amount of um, scripting that goes on in that is unbelievable. So I, my my brother-in-law, he's in, uh, he's in the headhunting business. And one of the guys from the bachelorette years and years ago he was the first guy that was like the villain and he was telling him because he went in looking for a job he was trying to get a sales gig and he was telling him how um that's much better better he was telling him how much like they pushed their characters like if you were kind of deemed the villain they they'd really push you to do things to to kind of blow up the the ratings right so um, it's pretty funny though with some of the shit that they do. Dude, I, w- I was thinking last night because did you watch the uh, when he took that girl home? I know. See, I know too much about this, which bothers some people. Does not bother me. Me uh, neither. Raven, I, I love it. I love it too. Raven, I she what a what a dark horse, eh? Dude, when she came in the mix, my wife was like, "Oh my god, she's getting the one on one," and I said it too. And my wife's like, "What's your thoughts of her?" Right? And I was like, "You know what? She seems like a cool chick. Like she seems nice enough." Uh, and then when they end up going to the one on one, and you see that connection that they had, I told my wife it's part of the clever editing. I'm like, they probably had that hookup or that connection. quiet. From the beginning. the beginning. Yeah, 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 yeah. But the producers, the way no, they edited it, yeah. was probably like, you know what? We're going to put the focus on Corinne, and I'll tell you why, because she's going home next week. Well, I can't believe we were talking about this, but <laughs> even the final rose, like, they talk, the girl who is going to get it, I'm not going to get it, I'm going to go home, oh, and then, oh, man. lo and behold, like, they change s- it up a little bit. And Chris Harrison? Killing why me. are we not hosts That was on my, the I, I told my wife yesterday, I said, you know what my dream job? I want to be Chris, Chris Harrison. Harrison. I want that host. Chris Harrison and Buddy from um, Survivor. What's his name? Mm. I know who you're talking about. I just forget his name. Oh. I don't know exactly. But same thing. How do these guys get these host jobs? I don't know. Did you see the Canadian host? Yeah. Dude. Not a fan. Fan? Not like, a fan. That was worse than bad. Yeah, it was pretty bad. But it's Canada. I feel like we always do wow. stuff bad. We embarrass ourselves. Yeah, I was looking on LinkedIn and I saw uh, uh, one of the jobs I saw was like you're CBC. looking for hosting jobs? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I'm not even going to lie. I did search. <laughs> I did search. I was like, how many jobs are going to be where you can type in host and just be like, you know what? This is actually a cool job. You can just talk about stuff and just like, hey, hey, coming up next, coming up next. Oh, look at this. Look at that. You're going to be not even a, that bad. one of those telethons on TV. Was, if it pays right, I'll do I'll, I'll do anything. I'll do it. Anyways, I looked it up and then I realized, oh, it's all the Canadian jobs and you got to relocate. I, I forgot. I'm not even qualified to do it, so I don't even bother. But The Bachelor, though, that is the greatest job. I also think I would be the worst bachelor in the world if I was on that show. Dude, I'd be yep. such a dickhead. Yeah. Because honestly, like, you know, we're both married. Yep. We're married long enough that I, I, you know, I talked to my wife about this and, uh, you know, we've had these conversations and I was like, you know, if we ever split, I don't think I'd ever get married again. Ever, 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 ever. No. No. And knowing what I know now, if I was on the bachelor. There's only the one and only for me, my love. I love you. I, I love my wife more than you love your <laughs> More than you love your wife. Just putting that out there. Anyways, but I, I, I thought if I was the bachelor now, knowing what I know, and one of those chicks after like two weeks came to me and was like crying and saying you know like that one chick she cried last week yeah uh, i forget her name the black girl she cried to him last week and she's like you know you're not giving me a fair chance get dude, the fuck out of that's here that's exactly get the fuck and he did you that out and he did that's that. how i would say that exactly. i would say you out of here i would have just said uh, sh- next 
time. Get out of here. Next. I would have done the same thing. Next. And then I'd come back and be like, listen, if you give me this bullshit. Yeah, yeah. See you're what happened to her? Too. See? You're... <laughs> you know what? Imagine you were in that place. So what would you actually do? Because the other part, too, is this guy. So Nick kind of threw me off a little bit uh, with Corinne when... Uh, you know how how he's into her, right? And I, I get it. The chemistry's there. I get it. But when you got all these other people saying, "Hey, like I'm not comfortable with what you're doing," but he still goes and does it, it kind of puts him in a weird spot. It's the rating value, man. It's the rating value. He's told to keep her there. You think so? A hundred percent. Who's this guy that you said you knew that worked on the bathroom? I think his name was Craig. He was like the first guy that was got the villain rap on on the. Oh, he was on the show. On the show, yeah. Get he out was of one here. of the like. It was the Bachelorette, and he was one of the whatever twenty-five Get bachelors. Get out of here! Yeah, yeah. Toronto, was like, uh, no, Toronto? it was the American version, but he was from Toronto. It was one of the first Canadians oh, to ever get on it. I didn't even know that. Yeah, it oh, was so pretty you got cool. An inside hook. What I else? Got did an inside hook on everything. Yeah, I'm sure. What? 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 What did he tell you about like uh, being on the? He show? He didn't tell me. He told my brother-in-law. My brother-in-law was telling me. So it wasn't. It wasn't directly my ears. Mm. It's hearsay. But I mean, like, no bullshit. Obviously. Not from the horse's mouth. No, but I mean, it's 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 valid. It's, can guarantee it's valid. So walks in his office, he's looking for a sales gig, looking to kind of do what I do during the day. And so they started talking. He goes, oh, you might recognize me. Is that what he says in the interview? I think so. I would, it was an interview. I'm not even mad. I would so, say the same so thing. So it was like, you're a guy, you're a headhunter, so you find people jobs. So he's coming to your agency and saying, hey, hook me up with a gig. So, you know, being the middleman, the quarterback of, of job searches. So, um, yeah, and he was telling me about it and how what they're talking about and how much kind of entertainment value they push on you and shit like that so you got to take it with a grain of salt but i still love it i love trash tv before we get off of the bachelor which i could talk about for about five hours uh who do you got to win in i'm rooting for danielle l she is the uh, uh i want to say she's some sort of asian she's really pretty with the mole right here yeah too much makeup though nah, i'm not into that contour i heard, I heard stuff, a rumor I no heard a rumor yeah no, don't say anymore okay, oh well oh Okay, don't all say right, anything. No, because right. you're going to screw this up now. And well, then I was thinking um, if it wasn't her, if I were to put money down, there's three people I'd put. Danielle L., uh, the teacher from Montreal. She's one of mine. All right, I'd pick her. Or uh, that girl with the short blonde hair. Short blonde hair. Yeah, I Those her two name. and Raven. Those are my three. Oh, uh, that was my four. I, you know, I told my wife yesterday. I said, the, oh, actually, no, I told. Did I tell my wife? I didn't tell my wife. I was talking to somebody else at work. That was your dream. <laughs> no, I got a whole bachelor group at work that I'm like, yo, did you see this last night? Anyways, those are, I think, Danielle, that's too bad, man, that he let her go. That teacher seems really nice. Yeah, but she's getting a little bit of the attitude now. She yeah. knows she's doing too well. You know what, though? I kind of like that, man. Yeah. I kind of like the fact that she went up to him and she's like, yo, this is like where I am. Yeah, it looks bad on you, not on yeah. her. Yeah, hey, hey, I'm not judging. She's she the ditch pig and you're falling for it. Yeah, and when she said, I'm not judging her, I'm judging you. Whew. You, that went deep with you, eh? Dude, I was like, holy shit. Wow. How do you answer? He knew he was wrong, right? Or oh, not, yeah. not wrong. He started quivering with that, you know, that speech impediment thing yeah. that he's got going on. It's crazy, man. But I, I'll still stay. I'll say I'll stick with my guns, man. I'll say that. Even though you have an insider track with your boy Craig, who got, well, who's the bad guy on it. All I know is some of our listeners are going to hang up soon. <laughs> I, don't give, I don't give a shit. I don't give a shit. This is, I don't give a shit. You know how many new listeners we're going to get now? <laughs> You ever think about that? The female clientele. Do you ever think about that? I'm All the Bachelor you. fans? I'm going to hashtag the shit out of this. We're going to get some of the Bachelor fans, man. Agreed. So what's going on with you, man? What's new? Crazy busy. Uh, just it, man. The holidays are over now and trying to, you know, the gym's starting to really boom. Work's crazy busy. A lot of travel coming up. Just doing my shit, man. Same old, same old, man. Did you see today I saw some sort of list where it was Rafael Lovato, I guess. No, Buchecha. Buchecha Lovato, yeah. 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 That, I, I, that's super fight. It's going to be Abu Dhabi super fight. Who do you think is going to take that? Oh, man, I don't know. I, You know, I'll I'll, I'll, I'll take Buchecha every day of the week over anybody. Buchecha's a big boy. But so Lovato is, is hot, man. He is hot, hot, hot. He's doing better now in his 30s than he did in his 20s. Do you think, do you think all his MMA training is going to be the difference when you have now a guy who's a pure specialist? Like we were talking about before, John Jones and Dylan, Dylan Dynas, right? Who would win in that? It's same, kind of the same thing. Well, different, but because Rafael Lovato is such a legit, <sighs> legit black think, competitor. I don't think – how do I say this without offending anybody? Is I it, don't think that MMA jits – on top of the level that those two have, would up their game. That's what I'm saying. That's why I think I, their game I, their game caters to MMA when they transfer to MMA. But that though the level of those two is it's different. It, it's beyond 
it's beyond MMA jets because it's different with striking and we know that, right? But when you start getting into the movement and athleticism of two big dudes like that, like tall, strong, lanky, like they're just, it's going to be, I'm looking forward to that. I haven't looked forward to, to a super match like that in a long time. I was the same. I see all these ones coming up and I cannot keep track of who's who anymore in jiu-jitsu like I, I know the guys but i don't know all the guys but i saw this one on the way down here i saw it today and, and I, uh, I was like up. what and, and that's something i'll actually go out of my way to watch i think that's the only thing so man. what do you think the purse tag the 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 money tag to that fight uh, in terms of a payout is uh, in abu dhabi in abu dhabi that's that's the variable that i'm at I'll why s- i'm asking i'll, I'll say twenty thousand. no uh fifty thousand a piece yep yeah. 50,000 a piece and then winners probably I wouldn't get like put a 20, anything past I wouldn't put a quarter mil past them and I wouldn't put 20k past them you know what I mean those those sheiks they're they're nuts man when they love something the, the, the amount of money they'll invest into it dude I heard a rumor that sheik who runs Abu Dhabi whoever that guy is I don't even know his name um, but I but I heard a rumor when he brings those guys down there he's paying them 20 30,000 a week yep just to come and train with him on his yacht or can you imagine having that type of money and I was talking to one of our students, Abdul. He's uh, he's he's from out that way, and um, he was saying too. We were talking about, you know, I was joking around saying, "Hey, let's go do a tour." He goes, "There's not um, a whole whack of them. There isn't Abu Dhabi proper, but you know, outskirts. Um, there isn't a whole lot of instruction. I, I don't know how valid that is." He goes, "But these guys are paying these people like five, six grand a week to come to a seminar." And dude, stuff. That, if I like. For you, if you didn't have a family or all that stuff, dude, why? why in a heartbeat. Because even Albert Chang was saying in China, there's not a lot of uh, black belts yet, no. which is surprising, I guess. And he says, you know, in that, that place, it's kind of a free market, man. Free market, and there's money galore. You know what? I don't know. Like, Is there actually money galore? Well, out there, yeah. Here, it's tough. You know, here, it's tough. It's You know what? It's becoming so... It's 20 years behind Brazil. Yeah. 10 to 20 years behind Brazil. And what I mean by that is... Um, the sport's been, I'll call it mainstream here for, I'd say 10 years now, maybe not even, uh, and growing rapidly every year, double, well into the double digits every year, uh, in terms of growth. But, um, like when you talk, when you go to Brazil or, you know, you talk to someone who's, who's gone for a BJJ kind of travel session, whatever you want to call it. I haven't been personally, but they say there's every five doors, there's a BJJ gym and there's 30 black belts on the mat. It's yeah. just common, right? It's like us going into a hockey rink and, you know, my my oldest son plays hockey every Saturday, Sunday. I walk into the rink, it's just team after team after team of, of people playing hockey, right? Because the demand's there. It's become mainstream and, and that's what it is in Brazil. Um, but, you know, to your point, it's different here because, hey, man, I talk about it all the time on the podcast, but when I started training... There was blue belts teaching at the highest level. That was the highest yep. level. And that's, you know, it was a handful of them across the country where now you can go every every square 10 kilometers and you can almost guarantee a black belt. So it, it's growing at a rapid rate, which is great. But, I mean, A, the economy doesn't allow us to do that here. It's different. Um Somewhere like China or even where Abu Dhabi, Abu Dhabi, the money's flying like it's going out of style. It's stupid it's money. It's so crazy. It's stupid money. But you go to somewhere like China, there's so much poverty, but there's, you know, it's that whole, it's that whole USA on steroids. There's no more of that blue collar almost. It's become either your poverty or you've got more money than you know what to do with, right? Yeah, so it's, there's no middle class in places like that, man, which is crazy. Low income. Is this, is this, like, I don't even know, BJJ in Brazil. I'm assuming it's just like a like a Tim Hortons here. 100. percent Have you been? No, you've never I haven't been. been no, no. Is, that, is that part of the future plans for you? Oh, for sure. I've got yeah. to go there. You know what? I'd like it's to go too. Man. I way think I'd like overdue. to. But it's a crazy place. It is a crazy place. I remember um, for years and years, everyone knows I was under um, Master Silvio Baring, um, and we still stay in touch. And he's a great guy, and, and I love him to death. I, I think the world of him. Um, but I remember him telling me, and it was funny, we, we used to call each other Muil. That was her name for each other. It's a Croatian nickname. But what does that mean? It's kind of like degenerate, kind of like, oh, yeah, uh, yeah, you okay. know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have the same thing. Uh, um, and, uh, you know, he's like, he, uh, come to Sao Paulo, Porto Alegre, wherever. And um, he goes, but you got to let me know when you're coming because I got to meet you at the airport. It goes, especially you, you know, blue eyes, light skin. He goes, you're dead. You're done. They're going to take everything take from everything you. Take everything from you. It doesn't matter what you know. I'm on nothing there, right? Yeah. Even if you are, it's like going to prison. It's like, who cares what you know on one guy? It's you're, you're, It's a different ball game, right? 
So, yeah, definitely on my bucket list. I will do it, and I owe it to my passion of jiu-jitsu, and, uh, you know, I want to go to the roots of it, definitely, but definitely something to see. I'd love to go there with with Hobson and, and go to a couple of his schools. He's got, I think, 13 schools in Brazil. Does he actually go down? Yeah. Does does he go? Oh, yeah, because he has that, that huge one we're talking about where we saw the picture where it's like 900 people well, or something yeah, stupid well, like that. Well, um, Jean Rotondaro and uh, Marcelo Fenotti run run the main one, and then there's there's all kinds of smaller ones all over the place. Yeah, it seems like it's fun. I know Boyan went. Uh, obviously, yeah. uh, you know, Boyan talks about going down. He said it was great to go down, and you see like 40 black belts on the mat. Which yeah, in a room of. this size. And, you know, it's just, you know, we, we're so we're so – spoiled here because yeah. we get these facilities where it's you know you've got 10 square feet or whatever it is 10 feet around you of diameter perimeter whatever you want to call it and to roll with your partners because these buildings and facilities are so nice and you go see the pictures there and there's a there's a 15 by 15 foot room with 80 people stuck in there and they'll give a shit they'll wait their turn and they'll go in because they just want to train right but that's what the economy calls for there it's it's what they're used to. And let me ask you here. So uh, how many black belts do you think in the GTA? So for people who don't know what the GTA is, it's a greater Toronto area. It covers Toronto and all the surrounding cities. The GTA is about five, six million people. Oh, fuck. That's it's a good big question. Man. Right? How, how, many think, how many do you think here? I'd say, what, 40? Yeah. About 40 or 50? Yeah, something like that. So when there is like, is there like a black belt kind of like, uh, like does everybody kind of know who's a black belt once you get to your level? Um, it's pretty known, yeah. I think it's more known with the black belts that own schools, but I mean, like it's no, it's no secret. You know, Toronto BJJ's got quite a few of them, and some of them I've never heard of, and a lot of them I know of, right? So again, as it becomes more common, and it, we talked about it before, where you know some people just practice BJJ to as recreation, right? Oh, yeah. and, you know, one day we're going to have students that have never done a tournament that have done this for 15 years and love it and don't go train anywhere else but our school. They're not on social media. They're going to get their black belt. Nobody will ever know about them. Yeah, you, you know, know what? what I mean? And I totally, I, I totally understand it. I guess over the last couple of weeks, right, just thinking about stuff and uh, you myself. So it looks like I'll be fighting again in, in April. February is a no go. February is a no go because they got stuff going on. So they had a whole change up with the uh, the AMMO, yeah, OAMMO, whatever. whatever. Yeah. They had a whole change up, and then they got stuff going on. So I got uh, I got a, uh, pretty much a text message saying, "Hey, April, uh, title fight. Uh, don't know the weight yet. They're going to be doing same day weigh-ins." So it gives me plenty of times. So I'm like I'm walking around at 201 pounds now. Granted, I'm not a solid 201. Yeah, uh, but it's not that I'm not too worried about it. It's just tough, honestly, right now because we've been off for so long and. Uh, the holidays, dude. everything, life. And, oh, life. And I get up really early in the morning. I get up at uh, 4 a.m. And I'm at the house by 4.10 in the morning. And then I get home, you know, whatever time, depending. Um, and then by the time Ten I get minutes home, to get ready. Yeah. What if you got a shit? Company time. Company time. <laughs> <laughs> I, I totally understand that. Totally yeah, understand no, no. it. Yeah, so I just get up. I have my stuff where I just go out the door and take off. And then on the way in, I'll grab a coffee, sit down, and then figure out. But you know what I like about that, man? I am... You're done. Dude, I am super productive. I am ridiculously productive between 5 a.m. and uh, 9 a.m. And when it, what, what, when are you done? Uh, 1 p.m. on the books, but... Uh, Give or take. Sometimes I'm, I'm there. But then, you know, you come home, you do your thing, you got to take care of the kids yeah. and all that stuff. And then in the evening now, my... Imagine one day when you can have a nap after. Oh, like. dude. I, you know what? Lucky I've been lucky. I try to get a nap in. Yeah. But lately, can't, man. Your clock, once your clock starts recalibrating itself to those hours and gets used to it, then... It's it's just like a normal shift, dude. dude. I've been working crazy hours for so long that I was I was actually talking to somebody today, man. Where uh, we were talking about what else we could do for money, right? Like different professions. <laughs> Everybody has that conversation, right? And real estate came up, and I know that industry is saturated to shit. I get it, uh, but we started talking about it, and then I have friends in uh, in real estate. We have a student here who's in real estate. Yeah. Shout out to Very Raymond successful, Pace. Yeah. yeah, he's like the top dog around here. But when I I have a, a, a one of my buddies, a couple of my buddies are real estate agents, and. Uh, I talked to him about it, and they're like, man, be prepared for long days. Oh, yeah, dude, so Saturdays and Sundays, you're sitting in someone's house by yourself during an open house for two hours, and a lot of times not one person walks in the house. Yeah, but I'm like, that's not hard, man. I'm like, I'm kind of game for that. I won't listen to you. That's like, get away from the kids. I got my phone. I've got Facebook. I'm good to go. Dude, you're good to go, man. I can sit there, play a game, whatever. I'll bring a PlayStation Portable, something like that. I'll just relax and chill out. I'm down with that game. Like, one guy was telling me, he's like, dude, I was at work for 10 hours today. You're like, like Phil from Modern Family. Dude, I'm, 
Would you ever think about doing real estate? I've thought of it many times, man. But just uh, big money. I would. I would have loved to. I would consider doing it if I was young and not married with no children. But the hours to to start now and become accomplished, the amount of grind and the amount of dedication. It's. Um, I've got young kids. I've got three young kids, and I don't think starting it at this point with three young kids would be very. Dude, you couldn't do this. 100%. No, you can no, do this. No, right? no, no. And that's one of the things when I, you know, I spent 14 years in the auto industry working from midnight to late a.m. And uh, when I decided to bite the bullet, go back to school, and you know, I gave up a half a pension and 14 years in there. And but my wife and I talk about it all the time. Like I was, I was just institutionalized. Where working 12 hours a day, hammering steel beside a molten aluminum furnace, and working Saturday and Sunday. It was just part of my life. Seven days a week, 12 hours, some of those days. And, you know, Saturday time and a half, Sunday double time, you never say no. And we, we always talk about, especially, you know, the with my kids having disabilities and whatnot, you, you know, my wife's full-time stay at home. How would I never see my kids? Yeah. Right? So, you know, thank God. It's almost kind of like the stars aligned or there's a plan upstairs for me. But... You know, I, I went back and I changed career paths and I was able, I'm able to now to, you know, be successful during my day job, being able to be a partner here at the gym and teach a, a great program with a whole bunch of students and things kind of worked themselves out. Dude, like, uh, like I said, I'm back in school as well, try to finish up my, uh, my degree and I don't know how you did it, man. I'm having a hard time. Ron, I'll tell you, I went to work from, at mid, I started at midnight, so I left the house at 11 p.m., worked from midnight till 8 a.m., and went straight to college right after for two years. I didn't, it's like a blur. It's like I was in heroin. I don't even remember. I'd be sleeping in the commons for an hour, 20 minutes, whatever I can get in before tests or whatever. Oh, man. And, and then I fast-tracked that. I did the two years in a year and a half because I went through the summer as well. But um, I was determined, man. You put your you put your mind to something, and there's not much you can't achieve. Yeah, dude, I'm uh, I'm doing it. I have to do a diploma first, which is really weird because I've been out of school for so long. So to get into some the of your credits program, are expired. Yeah, yeah, credits are expired. Uh, but they took my work experience, uh, and they gave me a whole bunch of credits for all the stuff That's I great. did. And then I'm doing an intensive, like five month uh, or six month honors diploma, which I don't even. But the uh, that's just basically a program on super steroids. Yeah, and it's dude the uh, and I, I I underestimated it right because they were like okay you got to write essays and I, some of my friends did it that's how I heard about it and I looked at it, I'm like oh I could do this but APA formatting did you do that stuff yeah dude that shit is bullshit man yeah and it's there it's it's labor intensive it's there's a lot of work. There's a lot of work around it, and it's it's literally what you said. It's bullshit, dude. There's so people who don't know what it is. APA, I think it's the American Psychology Association. They have a, a, a standard for referencing and citing sources, and it's it doesn't sound like that big of a deal. But when, you know, when I was in school, I'd have a reference something. I would just put like a bracket one, and then no, the end reference yeah, page. No, how you no, format man. these footers and the headers, and and then the proper the formatting behind it. It's and it's le- it's a legal procedure, right? Like yeah. you're, it's a legality. You need to you need to document, especially in certain professions. I remember I had to really be strict about it when I would take HR courses because that was part of contracts and documents and all that. But unbelievable. Yeah, it's uh, it's intense. It takes me just you know what? That's what takes the uh, the critical essays or whatever so long for me is uh, one you got to research and support your opinion, and then that referencing, dude. That takes me like an hour. Once I have like, if I have ten sources, that's gonna take me an hour. That's not bad, an hour. I yeah. remember it worse, but I, don't, I a lot of it's a blur to me. I'm not gonna lie; I don't remember exactly how it went, but I remember thinking that exact same way. Like it's been probably eight years since I've been out of school now, since I went back. So you, are you gonna go back again or no? No. no. What, did you, what did you go back for? Again? What, I just, what did you have to I just went and finished my diploma, man. I had to. I was getting into sales and. I didn't have a I didn't have a general diploma, so I went back into sales and marketing in a business program, and they did a two year diploma, and off to the races. Hey, let me ask you, that, or I know the answer, but I want to hear from you. Do you think working uh, that shitty job you had before, right? Whether it's well, it's well paid, but it's it's a shitty job. I think that's a hard job. It's physical labor. That's why I say it's shitty. It's because yeah. it's not fun to do. Uh, do you think that helped you in your sales transition? Hundred percent. Life ways? life experience is worth is worth more than any schooling, man. Adapt to potheads, adapt to engineers, adapt to blue collar workers, adapt to the president of the of the company. Like you're literally dealing with every walk of life, and you become a chameleon. If you're good, you become a chameleon, or you become that guy who's you know like that union guy, like you fuck the world, you know. Yeah. I pay my <laughs> yeah, wages, yeah, yeah, yeah. like suck my dick, kind of shit. Like, give me I a break, exactly man. You know, like, about. but again, that's why for like and i can speak to in the auto industry that's why things the shit to bed and the concessions that we took and that's when i decided to to change was 
you know, people, there's such a self-entitlement that China, um, Korea, Japan, all these car companies are coming over and doing work with no unions and, uh, you know, 20% cheaper labor, but 10% better quality. And, you know, it's just years and years of layers and layers and layers being built. But to answer your question, not to make it too long winded, but it definitely helped me become adaptable and become that chameleon and understand people and you know now i can i can go to a 10 million dollar customer of mine and speak to the cfo and coo and present in the board um and then i can go into one of their warehouses and talk to the to the shipping manager and be on the same level as him too right you just got to understand your audience and how to adapt to that but nothing teaches you how to be successful like life experience oh, but i agree with you man we're the same the reason i bring it up is because actually we were talking to the same guys talking about real estate today we started talking about this and uh, the other thing that came up was sales right and then we started talking about it and then the you know it's it i think looking back i had a lot of shit jobs too and those made me value what i had and i was in such a good mood when i had something that i kind of enjoyed well if you think about like i make way more money now than i did when i was doing that job but there's no such thing as working a weekend no, yeah. You know, I'm in a, I'm in nice clothes. I make my own hours. I just need to balance my own schedule. Uh, yeah, I've got kids with disabilities, so I've been able to over the years go to you know speech therapy and, and hearing appointments and whatever, whatever we need to do with sick kids, whatever the case is. And I thought that you know, if I say to my boss who knows my situation, hey, I've got a, I've got an appointment at sick kids. No worries, because he knows my shit's going to get done. Where if I was in the factory, I'd have to punch out, yep. not get paid until I punch back in. Like It's a different world, man. And, yeah. and I wouldn't be able to be there for my kids, and they probably wouldn't be able to develop and, and mitigate that gap that they have so quickly. Hey, how, have, uh, how have you and your lady adjusted now? I, I remember when you first found out uh, the tough news with the kids, and I remember you were like totally down, right? And I, I totally understandable. But you guys bounced. It's, it appears that you guys like bounced back so so good well it's crazy man you know the i guess i should explain to to people listening what happened so i have a i have a seven-year-old and twins that are five and my twins were born profoundly deaf so we figured this out probably call it around nine months um and then we started the process of seeing if they're candidates for cochlear implants and you know knock on wood God bless modern medicine. Um, when they were just over two years old, they were implanted and um, activated the month following. So next week, this week, what's the date today? This week is one year or three years since they've been implanted. And next month, this week, will be three years since they've been activated. So they're five years old. They've been hearing for three years. They've been doing speech therapy. My wife's been home full time, you know, working on that with them. And, you know, we've been going part of the Aaron Oak intake program and all that. And we've been doing all that crazy stuff. And, you know, it's it, it does change your life. It makes puts things in perspective and it makes you prioritize and realize the stupidity like The Bachelorette. It's not um, it's, it's not <laughs> it doesn't matter. That shit doesn't matter, man. It's, you know, we you you bounce back. And, and to your point, it's what the kids see and how positive and optimistic you are and how hard you work for them so that they can, you know, live a normal life. And they will. And, you know, doctors, they already speak fluently and they're bridging that gap. And they say another two, three years, you'll never know they were ever deaf. Unbelievable. Which is unbelievable. Un un it's un fucking unbelievable. unbelievable. But it's crazy, man. Like my wife, before we had kids worked with special needs children for the for toddlers for the government. And I was telling you this before, I'm like, out of all the people for this to happen to, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not, you know, not, not that I'm happening to you for, for that reason, but like, what better parent could you ask for? Yeah, and I mean, it's it's been a journey, man. It's been a journey, but it has done nothing, but it made us appreciate things that we probably would have taken for granted before. Um, and it puts, puts the things that matter in perspective. Yeah, buddy, and I think that's, uh, you know, that's, that's life, right? I think you go through through ups and downs, but if there's one, like it's, it's again, so I had a friend that committed suicide last week, right? Uh, my condolences. Yeah, my best friend growing up committed suicide under horrible circumstances, probably the worst circumstances you could think of. So he, he even though he's the victim, he's not the victim in this, right? Yeah. But um, as part of that, I uh, totally separated myself from this guy for like 10 years, right? 10 plus years. And I didn't know what he was into or anything like that. I wouldn't even be able to predict it. But I'd separated it, and then I, uh, ever since I've been with my wife, now we've been together about 13, 14 years, 
Um, she's never met that side of my friends, right? Yeah. And I mean, I shoot the text message with him once in a while. Yeah, just, yeah. You know, people, not not him per se, but, uh, you know, we, we spoke circles. over the last 10 years. But you always check in, right? Or you see people downtown, you're like, hey, man, how are you? How's everybody doing? Blah, blah, blah. <coughs> but then when I found out he committed suicide, I actually found out from a friend. And then uh, I got hit up a lot by a lot of people. And there was two types of people. There was ones that I actually missed, and they were, like, good people, good hearts, you know, and just nice people. And then there were ones where I'm like, you're a piece of shit. You know, you're, you're a piece of shit where I had one dummy reach out to me uh, knowing my relationship with, uh, with uh, my, uh, the guy. And, if, like, the first thing he says on the phone isn't like, hey, man, how, how are you doing? I'm sorry to hear you. He goes, hey, what do you know? And it's like, go fuck yourself. Man. Yeah, that's petty, man. Yeah, well, what are you doing? But, but the whole thing over the last couple of days, uh, I was just thinking about, you know, I can pinpoint kind of where stuff went bad for him, I, I guess, like looking back growing up. And you see the little things. You see the little dips. You see the little dips. <clears throat> and then when I compared it to, uh, unfortunately, I'm not new to su- uh, suicide, a lot of it because of my work and all that sure. stuff. So, so you see all that stuff. But when I started thinking about it, it's the first time it's happened to me in my immediate like circle. Yeah, uh, tight, tight. Yeah, yeah, like tight, tight, where I knew you know everything about the guy and like for the most part. Uh, but I started looking back at it, and everybody that I've dealt with that's committed suicide, for the most part, if it wasn't uh, some sort of mental illness, it, they all lacked some sort of love and affection and uh, feeling of belonging. Right, that that's kind of the. It's a coping mechanism. It is. It's wild, man. Yeah. Right. It's that. I think you, we talk about basic human needs. It's food, shelter, clothing, water. You know what else is in there, man? I think it's love and belonging. Yeah, it's. I don't even know how to explain it, man. Like I was saying to you earlier when we were chatting. Like God knows, I was an animal when I was in my twenties. Like I was. I could have been dead ten times over. Nobody'd be surprised. But it's weird to me how, you know, I never wanted to take a wife and children into that life. And, mm-hmm. and you grow out of it, right? Where you, you say, okay, this, you know, it's time to grow up and you clean yourself up and you become a man. And you know, I'll always say to people, hey, I, I needed to do the things I did to become the person I am today. 100%. But there's so many people that I was doing those things with back in the day that they're still doing them. And I'm like, I, I feel sorry for them, but... I also know it's a it's it's a sickness. Yeah, they can't separate themselves. They cannot, and uh, and it starts you know you start to peel back the layers and you think you're like shit man like that could have very easily been me you know and you know you get three beautiful kids that you probably never would have known or would never have existed or you know you become that dirt deadbeat dirtbag father whatever the case yeah, yeah, is yeah. right it's life's fucked up dude it's, it is uh, man. there's people go through a lot of shit and in your line of work I'm sure you've seen way more than me but there's every walk of life out there buddy I, I start feeling bad for people and, and uh, cause there's I think there's um, three three sicknesses that we actually treat the person like they did something wrong one of them is depression yeah uh, the other one is mental illness and then the third one is an addiction and I think we whenever uh, or, or su- oh, I'll add in the fourth one suicide yeah, well, right. that's too late. It's too late, yeah. but we the, a part of you blames them to say how yeah. how, how selfish are you? Yeah. Oh, I can't believe you and all this stuff. But if you you were for a minute think, uh, like when I think about that guy that uh, to kill himself, I think what what were you thinking in those last thirty seconds before before you decide this is what I'm gonna do? Yeah, well, his situation was different, very, very different. But uh, you know, it takes somebody and nobody in particular. But then you even think of what would someone like that, who didn't have or, or didn't I'll call do the things that he did in particular, but let's call it the average person who commits suicide because of mental illness or depression or whatever the case is. Like you feel like what's some of the shit that you had to live with for the last year? Oh, like man. in your head at night, not sleeping and fucking paranoia or or whatever the case is you know it's we can't fathom it and we never will um hopefully yeah hopefully but um you're right man we we take it for granted and we don't respect the uncontrollables that are involved yeah and and, if, and even this guy so he, he didn't uh you know he didn't commit suicide he's not uh remembered as a hero by any means but the amount of people that have uh, i've spoken to since uh since he died or killed himself uh, nobody expected it to be the way it was, and everybody remembered him for who he was, like as a as a kid growing up, not who he became. And uh, the funeral is tomorrow, and I'm still 50 50 if uh, if I can end up going or not, because part of me wants to go for the guy I knew, but at the same time, the guy he became is not something I want to be associated with. 
Yeah, I got no opinion on that, man, because that's to each their own. Yeah, it's that's, a, that's very situational and subjective, and it, it's wild. But the, you know, the I feel I, for you having to make that decision. Like right, that right there is just psychologically draining on its own. It, is, it man. probably fucking fucks with your head all day long. You know, today it did. Today, yeah. today it put me in a, in a bummer mood. And I could tell, man. I've been talking to you over the last couple of days, and. You know, I'm always the guy. Give your space. Just let you know yeah. that I'm there, and you know, no, you chat, I appreciate let's, that, let's chat. But I mean, at the end of the day, I also know that you just you need to let your head fucking do what it's going to do to you, and just let the time pass, right? Yeah. So everything's with time. But I appreciate you reaching out, man. It means a lot to me, especially no. all the people who did, man. And uh, you know, I tried doing the same for all the people that needed it more than me. Uh, there were a little bit more, but you know, life is uh, life is fucked up, man. You know, when it comes down to stuff like that, and then, but again, it goes back to what do you? Uh, even other guys I know that have, have attempted suicide. I know a few of those guys, and each of them regret doing it. Uh, do, you, do you think they truly attempted it, or was it a cry for help? Cry for help. Uh, yeah. Well, it's 50-50. Uh, one, and one guy in particular, it was a uh, cry for help. He has multiple cries for help. Great guy. He's going through a bit of a crisis. I think he's got a... I think he's got a... Uh, I think he's got a sexual orientation issue. Like, he doesn't want to come out of the closet. Mm-hmm. Um, but we've told him, like, the guys in his social circle have said, listen, man, like, dude, it does not matter to us. Like, it, do, it do, I have gay friends. It do, <laughs> Go nuts. None of us. <laughs> like, Fill your boots, man. Yeah, <laughs> buddy. But he just, he won't. He won't. Yeah. And then and then I heard through somebody else, he's starting to. So he's got kind of those issues. And he didn't, again, same thing when I look at him. It isn't the fact of him possibly, I, don't know, I could be completely wrong, possibly being gay and not wanting to come out. I know him well enough to know his childhood and upbringing, and it's horrible. Yeah. Right, so I, I think he's kind of. But I don't even know the situation, and I could assume it. And that horrible upbringing it puts even more fear in him coming out. One hundred percent. And what does it come down to again? Love and acceptance. Parents, yeah. Right, love and acceptance in every aspect. It's funny because you and I we joke about you know our parents are, are immigrants and we grew up with the you know the four knuckle tattoo. If you don't listen, yep. And I, I think there's a lot of value to it at the same time. But you know, I remember you saying one time you're in the change room how how your dad would say they're all calling you a certain racial name, right? And like you'd almost get slapped <laughs> because he worked himself up to think they're calling you yeah. that. So I'm gonna slap yeah. you for that, right? Yeah. And so, you know what he wanted to slap me that because he thought I w- he kept telling me he's like, do you think you're Canadian? And I was like, yo, I was. Dad, I'm born here, man. Like, I didn't make this decision. You did, so I kind of am. And then that's when he'd become oh, bolts. And then he'd, get the even, and then he'd get even angry. Oh, yeah, right? yeah, like, yeah. Look in the mirror. He's like, what do you think people are saying? It's a different time. I'd fall off my bike. My face is bleeding. I'd come home crying, and I'd get a slap on the other side. Say, stop crying. Well, how the fuck do I stop crying when you keep hitting me? <laughs> what's, the, uh, what's the worst beating you got as a kid? Oh, man. I, I remember. I, I remember. I mean, my brother got in a fight one time, and. For us, it was always the wooden co- cooking spoon, right? Yeah. But uh, um, I learned a I learned a lesson once really quickly. You used to go to those birthday parties, and you know, you get the balloon, and you get it with that with that plastic stick that attaches to the pee. Yep. I, I never brought a plastic stick home again. <laughs> butt. Do you remember why he beat you up? Just because you guys got in a fight? We got in a fight, and I think my brother cracked me once. Good. My brother's five and a half years older than me. And um, he cracked me good, and I, th- I took a hockey stick, and I came at him, and I, fly, oh. I cracked him with the hockey stick. Lights on. He was huge, like, compared to me growing of up, course, right? Of course, man. So, um, and then, yeah, that was, that was the end of everything. Yeah, I remember my, my, my older brother, and he's eight years older than me, right? So I was, uh, I was eight years old. He was 16, and I, he was always getting his shit, man. Like, always getting his shit. And I remember it was, I think it was, um, so it was 1990. And when did Ben Johnson get busted in the Olympics? I want to say it was the same summer. Just around then. Yeah, okay. It was around, it was, it was around the same. Because yeah. I remember I was in the basement of my house. Like, it was a five-story back, but I was in the basement of my house. My sister comes down, and she goes, Ronnie, uh, Ronnie, dad, dad, come up. Dad wants to talk to you. And once, once in a blue moon, like, I'm talking once in a blue moon, he'd come home with a small slushie from 7-Eleven, Circle K. But I don't know if the Circle Ks I, are still around. You remember no, Circle Ks? they're not, but no? I remember them. Yeah, yeah, he'd come back with a small slushie. That was like Kmart area. area. Yeah, that's right, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. So my, I'm like, oh, maybe Dad brought uh, a slushie home from work, and he worked factory work. And I run up the stairs, and I go there expecting to see a slushie, and instead what I see is my brother hogtied, blood everywhere. <laughs> blood, like hogtied on his back, arms and legs, and a stick in between. And I look up, and I go, that's not a slushie. And I look at my, look at my dad, and he beats the shit out of me. All right? Beats the shit out of me. I'm eight. Hog ties me beside my brother. And uh, he says, when you grow up, you're not going to be like him. You got beating just Dude, so you don't. Yeah. So, then, so this was this was avoidance. This is avoidance. So he beat me up and he says, when you grow up, you're not going to be like him. And then I remember I was so afraid. I got out of the hog tie. I tied myself back up. And then afterwards, I found out my brother had gone to Wonderland and stole a baseball hat. And he got caught. 
and security called my dad and my dad was like not no man growing up that was not an option man you cannot if the school calls yeah yeah authorities call you're fucked you're done man school calls or you come home in a police car you're leaving in an ambulance yeah and that was the worst beating I had. I, I got I it once for that, too. I used to live close to White Oaks High School in Oakville. And uh, there's a general, there's a convenience store right in front of it. So there's a path beside the convenience store to the to the high school where there's a pool, Olympic-sized pool. So all summer, we're swimming there, right? We always go swimming. And when you're kids, like my dad used to send me to that store with a note to go buy him smokes. And, you know, mm. it's different. Oh, then, I, right? remember, I remember going in front of the beer store. My dad gave me 20 bucks. Yeah, and, like, yeah, go buy, yeah. and I was like eight, 10 yeah, years old. No worries. Two, no worries. Yeah. But, um... I remember I, I had my bag with my towel and my flippers. I love bringing flippers to the pool. And I'd stop at the general store, and I thought I was smarter than everybody. And I, would t- I took a Tootsie Roll, and I put it in the flipper. And I got caught, and they knew my dad. They called my dad because they knew him. He'd go buy cigarettes there every day, right? And the beating I fucking got for that when I got home. Was that the first thing you stole? First time I remember, yeah. Yeah? First time I got caught for sure. First time I don't, I, I don't ever remember before that because I was pretty young, but... Oh, shit, dude. I remember the first thing I stole was from some Indian grocery store in Malta. <laughs> Shocking. <laughs> <laughs> it was a roti. Oh, it was. No, actually, it was in Brampton. It's for uh, for Indian people. Don't know. The Manda Market is what it was called. And it was on the second floor, I think. And I remember stealing like a... I don't even remember why. I think it was in grade one. Second floor? Yeah. Was there sign floor. like leaning in the window? Dude, the bo- <laughs> remember... I'm, no, remember when I told you uh, I used to do Taekwondo when I pissed my pants? Yeah. Jung Park Taekwondo? Yeah, Jung Dude, Mother Market was on top of Jung Park oh, from what I remember. So I'd have to go. <laughs> you, guys had, you guys had the Walmart Home Depot concept <laughs> did, down dude. before they even knew Dude, what was, was going on. One-stop shop. Bottom of the shopper's drug or bottom of One your grocery. One plaza, you get your dress done, you get your groceries, you go to martial arts, and you can get your bike fixed. You're done. <laughs> and there was a driving school. Yeah, see? So, yeah. So everything was mixed. But I remember I went in there and I grabbed a small pack of gum and I put them on. It was just... I just wanted to see what would happen, right? And I did, and I got away with it, dude. And I, I mean, You're I hooked. didn't know. I, I didn't steal. Oh, I can't say I didn't steal after that, but I was a kid, right? And I remember coming back in the car and just the adrenaline rush, and I felt so guilty. I think I cried myself to sleep. Really? For a couple of days, dude. I don't even think I ate the gum. I think I threw it in the garbage. Wow. I don't even know why I did it, man. Looking back, I just think I want to see what it is. But I did that when I was in grade one. My kids are about that age, and I can't even imagine them having that thought process now. I don't think they do. I remember my, uh, we're getting soft topic here. I remember my buddy. Remember Wolko? Yeah. So we go to Wolko, right? We're kids and it's winter. And, it's, yeah. and Christ, we, I don't know how old, I don't know why he would have, it was razor blades. So I don't know why, but we how were old was kids. Your, how old is your brother? No, this is my buddy. My, oh, your buddy. my Portuguese buddy. Yeah. So we go to a Wolko with his mom and we go to the, to the we register. We go out, you know, we get outside of the store and he puts his hand in her hoodie of the her winter jacket and pulls out this pack of razor blades. He threw it in his mouth. Yeah. <laughs> he put it in the back of her hoodie, what? her jacket hood. <laughs> so if someone gets busted, it's her. Why? What an idiot! Hey, to his mom. <laughs> oh, the beating he got oh after that. Oh my goodness! Not by her, but we got home. It was the you know the Portuguese dad worked worked concrete from for like fifteen hours during the during during the day. You know what I mean? And the do you Whoa. still talk to this guy? Oh, he's one of my, my best friends, man. Oh, that's an amazing story, it man. It is an amazing he story. Throw shit in his mom's hood and lets her take the yeah. let her take the rap. Pretty genius. For ra- pretty how, genius. How old were you guys where this guy needed razor blades? I, that's what I don't. I can't you put like together right blades? now why why he would have taken maybe it was for his brother or something. He had older brothers. Do you remember? Did you ever go to Honest Ed's as a kid? Yeah, dude, we used to go all the time, man. That's that's Honest Ed's. Uh, just because we're talking about this shit. Byway. It's reminding me of this. Byway Bargain Heralds. Byway. There's still a Bargain yeah. Heralds. Did you know that? No. Yeah, it's in. Uh, I want to say Queen Street West. There's a Bargain Heralds somewhere. Along there, more along the Jameson side. Wow. Anyways, I remember uh, Honest Ed's. I got I got such a shitty memory. Well, not shitty. It's a good one, but it's it's also it's the time I realized Santa wasn't real. So believe it or not, even as any kid, my we did celebrate Christmas. Wow. Not, not for the same reason. Your dad wasn't such a prick. No, my dad. He was an asshole growing up. Yeah. But, <laughs> but my uh, my family, because I was the youngest of four, like my, my sisters and, and and my brother would always want to do it right. And my parents were good with it. And I remember we couldn't afford a tree, or my parents weren't going to do a tree. So my sisters got. Uh, green cardboard paper and they taped a Christmas tree on the yeah, wall, yeah. right? And that was our Christmas tree. And I remember Christmas Eve, and I, I was five years old. I remember Christmas Eve, we go to Honest Ed's. We're waiting in the line. We eventually get in there because it was cheap, right? And yeah. my parents wanted to get us gifts, quote unquote. Of course. And I remember walking. I saw this bucket of Lego. It was a red bucket. But really, they waited like four months till your underwear <laughs> was shredding apart. Dude, like, I still do that. <laughs> I still do that. I have underwear that's ripped to shit. My wife's like, you're going to throw it away? I'm like, no, no. It still works. Yeah. <laughs> so anyways, we get in there, Honest Ed's, and I see this bucket of Lego. And I look at my uh, my mom, and I'm like, mom, I really want it. Like, you know when a five-year-old cries for yeah, sure? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And then I, I see her just like tell me to like get lost. And I'm watching her and she picks it up and I watch her buy it. I'm right beside her. She buys it. We go home and then we're like go to clean up. And then we come down and on, on Christmas Eve in my house, we'd have a, a real fireplace. Mm-hmm. So we'd light the fire and we'd stay up till those midnight. Bomb. Dude, those are the best. Oh. If, if I ever, you know, have enough money where I can buy a custom home. Oh, that smell of. Oh, oh man. So good. Dude, I use a cold barbecue now. Reminds me of that. Oh, and it tastes so much better. Dude, so let me get back to this. So before, so we stay up midnight on Christmas Eve and then at midnight we open all the presents. Yeah. And we have like TV on. It was like City TV or City Pulse, whatever the hell it was. And we opened all the presents. And I remember under our, our cardboard Christmas tree was this Lego box wrapped up, right? And I could read at this point. And my mom goes, look what Santa brought you. <laughs> <laughs> look what Santa brought you. And I read the card. And it says, like, to Ronnie from Santa. And I had to pretend like, wow. oh. And it was, dude, I just seen this box like three hours ago. I just pointed it to my mom. We came home. She did it up. And I was like, that's the day I realized, like, Oh shit! This isn't real. I don't know why I remember that out of everything else. That's how you got discovered. Yeah, how did you get discovered? <laughs> my six-year-old, six. My brother's six years older than me. He told you? Yeah, dude. What I was, I was that how old kid. Were you? Oh, I don't even fucking know. I was young, young younger than I, younger than I should have been. <laughs> I got everything destroyed by my brother. I was that kid. <clears throat> ball hockey minus thirty out. Put me in net with no pads, and they're playing with the orange ball. That's but oh, that's a, that's a this bullet. thing. And that's then when they miss hitting you and they miss the net, go, go get the get, ball. Go we'll get time the, you. Go get the ball. One, two, and I fucking go like a bat out of hell. Yeah, I right? do that to my kid. Oh now. man. So yeah, everything got ruined for me. I, I had to grow up by the time I was like three and a half, maybe did, four. Did you guys ever play ball hockey and tennis courts? Steady, dude. That we, was we had the, street battles. We had, oh, we had we did the we same. Had brawls we did the same. during that shit, man. Dude, I don't. Your your brother probably did this because my our brothers are kind of both the same distance older than us. But my brother, when I used to go, uh, we used to play in this one tennis court, and it was like that's when all the streets would come out in the neighborhood and we'd have like a tournament. And then he made me fight my best friend all the time. He'd be like, "Who's stronger?" Adrian Jancola. Yeah, <laughs> dude. He made me fight my best friend right across the street because yep. all of his buddies were there. I beat the suit not out of this kid. And then a half an hour later, I go knocking on his door to say, hey, you want to come up and play? And he's like, cool. Yeah, I did the same yeah, thing. Let's I, go. I fought this uh, same guy. I know uh, Zuffer is his first name. And uh, we ended up getting a fight. I remember he scratched me. That's all I remember. But then I remember we were both crying. And they just continued playing hockey. And then we just went tobogganing. What's the first beating you ever took? Uh, grade three. Fight, like fight? Yeah, 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 yeah. Grade three. Uh, walking home. Two racist assholes. So walking home. They call me Packy. And they did that thing where... Um, La, 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 la. No, no, this is before oh, that, right? This is before 9 <laughs> 11. Sorry. <Yeah. laughs> no, I, I knew exactly what I'm like, no, no. This is the, other, the other one. The yeah, other, other one. one. So, anyways, I remember, I remember leaving and they're just racist fucking assholes. And uh, I was walking back and I did the one of the things where the guy kneels behind you and the other guy pushes yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. And they did that and I fell in a pile of dog shit. Oh. And then uh, I think it was grade three or grade four. Moral like, dilemma. Oh, dude. And I walked home and I was like, I, I didn't cry. I was just fucking pissed. I got home and my dad saw me. I think he was outside and he just looked at me and he looked at my shirt and he goes, did you win or lose? I was like, I, I think I lost. And he's like, you disappointed. More disappointed than that. Didn't realize there was two guys that pushed yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. Like, and I went inside and, and that was the only, I think that was the only time, knock on wood, I've been beat up besides here in the gym. Yeah. Like besides sparring, like 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 friendly, I think beat up, beat up. That was the only time I was beat up after that. But I got in a lot of fights and uh, growing you up. You got a good record. You know what? I'm okay, man. Yeah, yeah. And I think I'm doing okay. Do you remember your first fight? Yeah, first. I, I used to fight a lot in the playground, but I got my ass. I remember it was River Oaks Recreation Center. We used to go public skating, and I ended up playing hockey with him later and becoming friends. Our parents were friends, but we'd go to the rink, and it was kind of a a dominance thing. Like I owned the public skating ice. He's like, no, I did. You know, so we go chase each other and push each other on the ice. So I was like. It's going down outside after. Oakville Wars. Yeah, it's going down. Yeah. I remember Dave Hunter. and uh, We were on the hill in the parking lot, and I got smoked. I got my ass handed to me. And that was the time where I thought I could beat the shit out of any kid. I'm dominant over anyone. And it kind of, ever since that, it was always uh, I respected what could happen. And yeah. it was a big lesson learned at a young age. How old were you when you got, when you got that beat? Oh, that's probably... That's, Three, four. Yeah, no, you, you, you remember, eh? Yeah, no. Let's. Uh, it's probably a little bit later that I. That was the first time I got <laughs> beat up. I was usually the one. 
yeah. doing it. But 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 rules were different. I'm sure it was the same with you. It was like the first guy to fall down is the loser. Yeah, it stops. It's There's just no stopped. bloodiness yeah, yeah, yeah. to the point where you can't move. It was no. just a, yeah, you're down. I accept. See you later kind of thing. Do you, and I, like, I don't know how it is in the Croatian culture growing up. Like, were most of your friends Croatian as well or no? Yeah, a lot. Yeah, so yeah. it's the same thing with like, I think... When we grew up, it was that was just what happened because your parents only knew. They only spoke that language, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. like so that's the only cultures they, they they sought out. But I remember uh, I was telling my, my wife about this because we were, well, I had buddies come over and we were talking about my friend that committed suicide, right? Just about all the good times yep. and all that stuff. And I remember once we had gone to a uh, an Indians are notorious for this, right? So we went to a club and it was uh, Abyss. No, uh, Energy. Club Energy. Remember that Wolfdale? Fantastic I think it was? club. Yeah, I think it was Energy. Yeah, energy yeah. or one away. I forget. What, I think it there was, was energy. energy and Club Energy, but one was up by the airport. That was oh that oh that, oh it wasn't that one. It was oh was it? No, it's the one on Wolfdale here in Mississauga. It used to be Abyss or something like. I forget the name. I know which time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. anyways, I was there. We go in, and then there's these other Indian dudes that are older, like way older. I was like ten years older, and they didn't like uh, one of the guys that was with us. And then next thing you know, the fight's about to break out. We were pretty big kids, man. So we were okay. Let's let's go to town, and we go outside, and it's like a twenty on twenty. It's about to happen. And we're like, what the hell's happening? And then these guys are yelling that they're calling for backup, and they're like, we're calling people. We're gonna have a bunch of people. And then I'll see like three cars roll in, and I was like, oh fuck! Like here we go. We should just get out of here. Guys, I got out were my cousins. This guy called my cousins to come beat me up. <laughs> How do you think that ended for him? <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, That's karma. Yeah. Karma. My a cousin bitch. gets out. He goes. He goes right. He goes, who are we beating up? I'm like, I didn't call you. And the other guy goes, yeah, come here in Punjabi. He's telling him, he's like, yeah, we're going to get these guys. He goes, no, that's my cousin. And then <laughs> shit, it didn't go well for them, man. But I remember all that stuff. What about when you started uh, training jujitsu? When, when's the first time you, you got beat up? Like the very first time I rolled? Dude, I got the shit kicked out of me. Oh, my I head. steady did. So when I started, when I started <laughs> BJJ, I was training with Kruji and Mafa that was at the Dunwin building. So this was like 97. Trained Muay Thai and competed for a bit, and then I got introduced to the Gracies. I started training Jits in 2000-ish, 99-2000. And um, I remember we had about 10, 10 uh, like, tatami mats, and there was maybe six or seven I was training with Slavko. He was a blue belt under Hickson. And every single student, other than me and my brother, and my brother was way bigger and heavier than me, they were bouncers downtown. Mm-hmm. So I my first till the end of blue belt was just training with bouncers like literally so it was all technique 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 but getting the shit beaten out of me but learning how to survive really quick and you know when someone my own size or smaller would come it was like a joke right yeah. so I was constantly getting the shit kicked out of me I actually find I have an easier time with guys my size guys smaller than me dude that's hard man the movement and the it's squirminess it's so hard and, yeah. to deal with right because we're so tight in the hips and the groin and all that yeah. stuff you're just stretching it that you know like you know butt's always up in the air or whatever I'm like this sucks bigger guys I'm like any day yeah, a- yeah. any day but I remember uh, what's the worst ass kicking you took in BJJ rolling well, the guy you rolled you're like this is bullshit like come on my old professor was he Scott yeah yeah I used to regularly be bleeding out of rolls. What would cause the, like, even here, I don't even know how we end up bleeding in rolls. Like, you know, when sometimes you look on a gay and you're like, oh, yo, who's bleeding? I don't even know how that happened. Maybe probably a grinding or something like that. You know what? Uh, one thing, you know, he gave me my black belt and I'll, I'll always, you know, respect and whatnot, but I never once, I, I think the black belt mentality was different back then too, right? It was a whole, I don't get tapped by anybody kind of mentality. And if the closer you are to my belt, the more I've got to show you and the harder I got to go just in case. Yeah, Dominic Pissarro was talking about that, man. Yeah, and it's, it's, yeah, I remember that. And yeah. it's, it's different, man. Like, I mean, we talk about it all the time. We put ourselves in vulnerable positions now to A, give, what the hell's the point if every single time I put you in the same dominant bottom position or whatever the case is, I never let you feel what it's like to, to try and finish an arm bar on a black belt level defense. You know what I mean? Yeah, like I've done yeah, you a yeah, disservice. Yeah. You yeah. haven't, you haven't, you know, and if I sit there, let you put your legs over me, give you my arm, and then I'm going to go, all right, I'm going to really try from here. But if I get tapped, I'm good with that. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm fine. I put myself in that situation. But, hey, you know what? We talked about I want to compete again this year. And if I'm never in the defensive positions and I'm going into black belt division in a tournament and I don't have that sensitivity, you're fucked. You know what? An arm bar is a perfect example of that, too, of training. Where you the the natural inclination for the body to do what it's supposed to do, it will actually increase the armbar. Correct. Because you want to like pull away from it. Correct. And I think that's one of those things. If you don't put yourself in that position at any level, 
you're gonna you're gonna like fall to that. Like, 100%. I will, I will. And you need to build the sensitivity to to make it instinctive and not thought out, right? It's like it's kind of limp and change the angles. You don't fight force with force at that point because you're at a disadvantage. You change the angle of your body so the angle of your arm now changes and it doesn't become a straight arm bar anymore. You know, you can turn your you can turn your thumb, you can you can go for the you can go for the back roll escape, you can go for the leg, whatever the case is, it buys you time and it changes the angle, right? But if you don't drill that over and over and be vulnerable to getting Getting, you know, starting in that position or, or letting yourself get put in that position, you're not going to build that sensitivity. Dude, and that's such a sensitive uh, thing as well. Even with, uh, you know, like head and arm to, to finish it, I still have problems with that because it's such a sensitive, you know, you can muscle you, you, it. But you get it's, it's aha tough. moments with things. I always, you know, my <laughs> students always hear me talk about until you get your aha moment. And it's like everyone's got their, their move or their defense or their submission or whatever it is where that's their go-to, right? Yep. And you go to it because at some point you got your aha moment with it. You're like, I get this. I understand it. And I understand it to the point where I can put it in in, in different places because I just get the angles. I get the, the laws of physics behind it. And, and I understand it, right? Because I've done enough times. I've tweaked it enough times to find the, the it, it's literally I ah I get this yeah I call it the aha moment and um, and you you'll have certain positions for that but if you don't drill anything else you'll never get that moment in those other positions you, you've been doing leg locks as well now or no? yeah I've been working quite a bit of it and it's funny because a couple of a uh, couple of our students were were saying the other day I started you know playing the barambolo a lot with these guys right and I'm not a barambolo guy by any means and nor do I want to become it's not my body type but you know I need to be able to teach it and I need to be able to have the sensitivity to do it I might not incorporate it into a competitive game much or I will maybe incrementally compared to some people who play it a lot but. Um, yeah, I, I try all kinds of different shit. Like, I mean, <laughs> if I'm not evolving, the, the school's not evolving, right? Uh, is uh, are heel hooks allowed in the IBJJF black belt? Uh, no, no heel hooks. But now in uh, now they're allowed in like grappling industries and yeah. you know the EBI and and a lot of the no gi tournaments are now heel hooks. So the the, the platform's changing a lot. And the, the rules are changing a lot, and it's based on the venue. So. It's a whole topic. You could talk about it for, for hours and hours, but you know, now it's not like everybody training for one unified set of rules. It's you kind of got to know everything to be able to bounce around different tournaments, different rule sets, right? Dude, you got to be like here, here's for example, I've been watching stuff the last uh, two weeks because now I'm gonna start getting back in the gym and I'm trying to just not really take anything new. I find myself getting the heel hook a lot. Like I can even if I don't roll for, I just find it. I just it's know where it is. Easy. It's so easy to do and it's it's, easy. it's like a meathead move, right? You yeah. Can get it. But I was looking at it <clears throat> and uh, top mount. Uh, guys are getting that uh, heel hook and ankle lock from being the bottom mount position, right? If they're getting the legs over. Dude, right, I've seen, you, I seen a whole you watch, bunch of highlights from did, like kids all the way up to old guys pulling this off. Did you watch the fights on the weekend? Uh, was it this weekend? The last which, weekend? Uh, which one? Buddy's mounted. Beat oh, the shit the, Ezekiel out of the guy. Choke. Ezekiel choke. Gloves on. Unbelievable. Gloves on. Is that cold? And he let him get it. Yeah, he, he re didn't respect it. it. No, he but said, most people wouldn't respect that, you know. But like, but hey, it just goes to show. Like, you train with, you train, come train with Ryan Mech on our team, and yeah. he'll you, he'll put you in a guillotine from crossbody, you know, the defensive side, you're in it and he'll finish it. And you're like, what the fuck? That's not supposed to be able to happen from there. I've trained this defense and and this principle dozens of times. Like what the, but he's got such an aha moment with that where oh, he knows how to tweak too. it. Yeah, yeah he knows yeah. how to tweak it to his I used to choke people cross choke from 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 uh, crossbody. I just, chokes and lapels were my thing. I got it from any angle. I would get it. One of my favorite things today is, you know, the Majid. And I, I love people cross body or half guard on top of me or even mount. And I just go baseball bat choke. And What is the Majid? The, he's famous for the baseball oh, bat choke. Oh, is that choke. what it is? Yeah. Okay, yeah. And, uh, and people they know and they, they shake their head like I can't I knew you're going for it and I couldn't stop it but and there's a there's a there's a nogi version of it of the I've seen it where you yeah it's a, a hand cable clinch. grip yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah Dude, it's like a tie clinch the, the reason I bring that up is uh, like a Peruvian necktie yeah it is like like uh yeah like a necktie uh but the thing I was gonna mention with that is that Ezekiel choke I think opened up a lot of people to say oh this shit can work because I remember trying to do something like that before, and I was like, I don't even bother. Like, it's different without the gi. Dude, it's the same. It's, it's, it's the same mechanism, subtract that, what you're gripping. So I, I showed you my kind of version of 
inverted north north south choke. I was thinking, sorry, before I cut you off, well, then Ezekiel, our first thing I thought of was you when you do this. That's garbage. exactly what I do. I, I thought that's what he did. Yeah, and, and I, I was like, is no, this what he's doing? And I do it no gi. Yeah. And all I, but instead of coming in front, I just put the closed fist in the credit artery and do the same it's mechanics. It's more of a pain compliance. That, like I found when you did it to me, it was more of like, oh, this does not feel good. Just forget it. No, but, even... and you will go to sleep. Oh, you will. Hey, if you oh, put you that, will go you, to sleep. Are you going knuckles in that? Or one side is one side is the same as either a guillotine or or a head and arm. So the bicep kind of crick of your arm is is cutting off the one side, and then and as you kind of get the Ezekiel with your far wrist, but you put your fist into the carotid artery, and it closes it all up, man. It's maybe the purest form of closing up the, those passages. Dude, it's nice though, man. It's quick. It's something that I think is going to start showing up a little bit more. Yeah. You know, so uh, even for, uh, oh, here, that's what I do for Super Ace. I heard a little birdie told me uh, the person I'm going to be fighting. Very good stand-up game. Yeah. I don't know the ground game. I was told uh, I'm better. Uh, strategy. Uh, I know the obvious is takedown, right? And don't try to trade. But <laughs> I, I think. And I don't mind talking about it because it's amateur. I, I don't think care. there's a lost art to to strikers or, or ground guys trying to get to the ground and you know, you're watching the new generation of, you know, inverted 50-50 to heel hook kind of Daniger kind of um, leg lock systems. And it, things are changing and evolving, man. But I, I love I love the uh, Shogun Hua mentality. Uh, he comes in, you know, jab, jab, cross, hook, low kick, boom, drop <coughs> levels. You know what I mean? It's, oh, yeah. it's combinations that combinations of your hands that don't allow guys get knocked out with um, when somebody's a counter striker they get knocked out because they hit once they kick once or they hit once if you ever watch Shogun he would come in jab 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 cross kick finish with it never giving the person time to do, be a counter hitter right so it's that one you're gonna go in for a kick your hands drop and the guy fucking hooks you or, or crosses you right yeah. um, People, I don't think people throw combinations enough. And if you can get your hands good enough to throw a number of combinations to close the distance and not get counterstruck, I think you know having a, a decent wrestling background and then taking it to a jits game, it's it's a, it's a high percentage. What do you think about working off the back there? No, because you know a guy who's a striker and not that good on he's gonna he's gonna go back to a natural striking. See, it I depends. Feel like, do, do I want you working off your back? No. No. You know, do I want Adam working off his back? Yeah. Yeah, because he's sick. With it's, that's his game, right? Yeah. But you're a pressure game. You're a passer. You're a pressure game. You're a ground and pounder. Um, once you get cross body, you lock a, you know, lock down position and start getting them to the cage and stuff. That's your world, right? So it depends on people's skill sets and what their strengths are and, and where you want the fight to go. But I'm always I'm always the old school mentality of get on top, man. Yeah, get on top, get stay on, on top, top, man. Unless you're losing the fight because you can't get on top or you're still on your feet and you're good off your back, then go on it's a back. defensive it's a defensive position. Did you watch uh, Chael Sonnen and uh, Tito Ortiz? Unfortunately. Dude, do you think that was a fix? It looked like it. Dude, I did it not. It looked like such a, a WWE production that it was almost embarrassing. Dude, I did not. Uh, I, I, had, I, I was going to bet money on Chael, man. I would have bet money on Chael any day of the week. And the way he gave that up, dude, remember Anderson Silva fight? Dude, that ain't Chael Sonnen. Chael, Chael is uh, one of the toughest motherfuckers. He is. He is. Um, so he's been notorious for getting caught in armbars, right? Or sorry, uh, triangles and because uh, he got caught by Damian Maya in, yeah. in, a, in a triangle. And Anderson, and Anderson in the last, in the last little seconds. bit. Um, but with this one here, dude, he had fought Andre Golvao, right? So he's not. He's not. I, I mean, he ain't I, no joke, man. Dude, he's, when, yeah, and he lasted, I think, seven minutes. He's like Andre a Jake Golvao. Shields. Same, yeah, yeah, same idea. But but when you have a guy who I, I think uh, you know he can last seven minutes with. Andre Govell, probably one of the top 10 in the world, easily. Uh, you Beast. know, he's been training a lot in the gi. Um, and then he goes there and things end up the way. And granted, it changes when you're getting punched in the face. But, dude, the way that transition happened, it looked like almost like a white belt. It was ugly. And was. I, I, like, who, who the fuck am I? I'm, I'm a nobody, so I feel really weird saying that. But yeah. when I watch it, I'm like, is this actually happening? It was ugly. It was really ugly. What do you think about BJ? Love BJ to pieces. Love him, man. My favorite fighter. I have his book at home it's uh that's his documentary or sorry his Everyone biography loves BJ, man. dude his biography is what got me into reading books again because i was so i didn't realize how much of a fighter that dude is people knock him because he had money growing up that's not his fault man no but that guy trained fucking eight hours a day got his black belt in three years man first first and non-brazilian to win the mundials world championships yep. yeah and uh, there's videos of him uh just smoking top-notch white guys belt. white belt yeah uh submitting black belts from his back you know, he so when he was coming back, 
Dude, I was so pumped. I canceled plans. I came home early uh, to watch him. I was so pumped. Yeah. I told my wife a week in advance, like, hey, BJ Penn's fighting. Like, I'm, I'm staying home. And we had a whole family thing. We ended up coming back in time to uh, to catch it. And the whole time I was like, oh, shit. The game evolves, man. It evolves. If you're not evolving with it, fuck, you can't, you know, you can't put Larry Bird in a basketball game today and expect him to produce. So where, where do you, and it's kind of not, not fair to you, but I'm going to ask you anyways, where do you... Uh, watching that as a black belt and, and, you know, the head coach here and all that stuff. What did you look at and say, oh, this is not – or this is what he could have done different? And granted, it's BJ Penn, legend. He's a GOAT. He's the best. Like, he's one of the best. He's going to be my favorite fighter forever. Like, BJ, the, the crazy thing with him, the double-edged sword, is he was he became a pretty decent striker. He had yeah. powerful knockouts. He had a lot of knockouts. And, you know, you, you stand toe-to-toe and, and the game changes, right? But these kids, man, and you, you train here, you know, in our school, you got these 22-year-old monsters that are open-minded, willing to learn. They have the work ethic. They have the technology. They have the supplements. They have uh, everything. Scientists. Access to resources, yes. right? And There's three black belts here. Dude, you can't, you can't keep up anymore, man. It's like, does it break my heart watching Dan Henderson lose again? Yeah, I love the guys in this day. Nobody's got more heart than him but shit dude i'm almost 41 years old now and i have to roll and use a lacrosse ball every night or i can't sleep because of chronic hip pain right so shit happens man time, time happens that's what happens i feel like when i watch that uh, when i watch this fight i was like just go for a takedown go for a takedown but he, he didn't really initiate it right and it's again it's like you mentioned the art of the takedown dude going from, from a strike it's it's and not easy timing. you got to be in the game you can't make a you know you watch hoist and uh, hoist come back and fight hughes and they're like oh he got caught by jujitsu but dude man hughes started as a wrestler but hughes trained bjj for 10 years after he started the fight game to make to be a black belt level BJJ guy, but be a, a hay baler strength. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I get it. They're money fights, but you can't. You gotta. You gotta know your audience. You gotta know your opponent. Yeah. The the other thing I was gonna mention with that was um, uh, I find uh, like back of the day. Now it's not the case, but I'll say that even the Rashad Evans was probably the last line of MMA fighters to go through. It is their jujitsu was anti jujitsu. Yeah. Right, and that was causing a problem for for jujitsu guys, where they they knew these guys knew how to defend the position, maybe look for a sweep, but not really attack. Right, so you have that comfort of attacking, knowing that you're just going to defend to go back up striking. Even look at John Jones, <sighs> same thing, man. That athleticism, dude. He got Vitor Belfort, <sighs> and then what was it, Americana or Kumura? Kumura, dude. But yeah, like, and not a high high. Well, Vitor's black belt. Vitor's Legend. legendary black belt. But I, again, the game evolves, man. How long was he doing it? How long was he doing it? You know, this past weekend, you, you got Kyle Terra fighting, <laughs> going through the Masters division like butter. And the guy can hang with top-notch adult division any day of the week, right? Like, time changes shit. Time yeah. changes shit. You know, you watch Cobrinha and these guys there, you know, the generations are changing and and the competition levels are changing too, but... These guys who are the best of the best of the best of the best, age catches up, man. And it's not even your physical age. It's just the evolution of the game and things that are happening now. Yeah, it's too bad, man, because I feel it now. I think uh, you know, this fight in April, regardless of how it goes, might be my last one, man. Yeah. Hopefully I win the title, but just life is catching up, man, and I have no hey, time, man, man. you did your bucket list. You're not going yeah, to the yeah. UFC. No. You're almost 40 years old. 35, almost 35. Shut up. Um, <laughs> and, but regardless, you know what I mean? You're just you're doing this as for fun right now. Just, but just for fun, man. It, and man. Uh, and who knows? Like I, Before I thought, hey, maybe I'll have a one pro fight. That'll be the bucket list. I just don't have the time, man. And I, what? I, I, there's priorities, man. Dude, my, my kids are going through stuff now. Like they're, they're having fun. I took them skating for the first time yesterday in their life. First time? First time in their life, yeah. Wow, you're I, so Indian. <laughs> I, I don't want to skate. My lady knows how to skate. But the kids were asked for I took them. And just to see, like, okay, this is where I should be yeah. putting my extra time. Yeah, sure, like, man. Like stop putting it in I'm me. up every Saturday and Sunday morning at 6.30 doing, uh, yeah. doing hockey, right? But it is what it is. Listen, I'm going to pee my pants yeah. in a minute. Oh, I've got to give a shout-out to Greg King. He couldn't be here. Really wanted to be here. Yeah. Couldn't make it, man. So, uh, uh, Grapplersplanet.com. At VVV Fight Co. Um, and then Greg's got some big guys lined up. I don't want to spoil it. Don't spoil it. But some really big guys lined up in the next couple of weeks, man. Some big names. Uh, Ex-UFC Hall of Famers. Don't want to say anymore. Yeah. Hopefully. All right. So, ciao. Take care, guys. That's, That's okay. okay.